This is essential. 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 This is essential audio. We did a study on loyalty, and we found like the top two things that customers care about are customer support and ease of use. Right, like those are two like fundamental things that drive a lot of these like delightful experiences. That was Dipanjan Day from Facebook. Welcome to the Money Pot, our podcast at Money 2020. I am Rachel Morrissey, a producer for Money 2020, and I'm here with Elena Mesropian, the content leader for Money 2020 Europe. Hey, Elena. Hey, Rachel. So, Elena, you had the chance to talk to Deep about one of the topics we've been digging into on the Money Pot, the need to expand to digital. So, for years, we've been talking about the importance of digitizing businesses. Sure. And the necessity of going digital and expanding channels has been the subject of several episodes. I mean, COVID was such a tipping point that we have seen a lot of change in customers' expectations for a seamless digital experience. And platforms like Facebook have played a critical role in enabling those experiences. So I wanted to explore what they have learned. I got to talk to Dipanjan De, Director, Head of Industry for Financial Services at Facebook, and Luke Fernandez, Head of Growth Marketing and Product Director at Capital One Shopping, and ask what they are seeing about how consumers want to interact with businesses today. Well, if anyone should have good analytics about what customers want, it should be Facebook. What became very clear was that going digital blurs the distinctions we used to have around product development and marketing, and that as we integrate those functions differently, we can build more meaningful customer relationships and attain real financial gains. So let's start with how to think about product delivery. Luke explained that he starts with the three prongs, production, delivery, and usage. Taking them digital can lead to huge operational NCX wins. The components of convenience that really stand out for me are really on the distribution and the usage side. Some examples that come to mind are, um, again, to this idea that like many brands are having a challenge where they actually need people. They're, They're realizing that there are so many transactional moments in the course of a product where you can kind of reduce the, in, the in-person component and really just shift to uh, a, a digital method. So example in like FinTech is super simply just depositing a check on mobile. Absolutely um, something that's purely transactional and, and not needed um, to be done via a human across a, a glass window. A, another one is just like leveraging customer profiles for better start starting points, less back and forth in any type of transactional communication with a product or service firm. You know, the mobile deposit is a great example of the win-win. I remember when depositing a check always required you to fill out a deposit form. And the more that process has been digitized, the more it is easy and reliable. Right. It is simpler and less vulnerable to human error. CX win and operational win. But that only scratches the surface of the changes. Now the prongs have also become a feedback loop. We can adjust and update products to customer preferences. This changes the pattern of production to usage. Now, usage feedback can adjust production much faster. The new way of launching products and brands and features um, are very much one enabled by quantitative feedback loops. So we can you know, put communications out and we can understand who clicked, who watched, you know, what was the message, what was the customer combination. Um, but we can also leverage uh, tools built by ad networks like Facebook um, that are using machine learning to use that data, those quantitative feedback loops, to automatically target and deliver the most relevant messages 
um, to the most relevant customer. And so rather than having this like very, this one very specific thesis and this, you know, this uh, torrential and rigid um, uh, set of marketing, uh, you know, commu communications that come after it, um, now we can begin with a collection of theses and we can throw those theses out into the market. We can use real data to understand what was the right message, who was the best customer, and what was the ultimate, um, you know, highest impact combinations of those things. And we can use that data to run an iterative process on product and marketing um, following from, uh, the, you know, the initial tests. Um, th th that's certainly kind of the case for, for new customers, new, brand, new brands and new features. But I think about this a lot for like existing customers. Um, and, and again, it kind of comes down to solving for engagement via convenience. Delighting customers without them even having to ask is the whole point, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it really depends on the ability to build a self-learning innovation mechanism into the product. Deep definitely emphasized that function. I think the tight feedback loop between product and marketing is really important. In fact, I think that's if you go to a small enough company, especially at these fintechs, you'll actually see that the growth product person is doing the marketing because they're they're the ones that are you know testing and iterating on the product. Now, we see this point being made again and again. Technology can eliminate the barriers for data-driven product innovation at speed and scale. It goes all the way to how the operations around product marketing are built. Deep and Luke were in sync about the fusion of the product and marketing functions. There's no reason to have a separate document for the creative brief um, than you know, what, what the product manager or the, the engineers are working on as they're building up the product. This should be the same now. It made sense in the past. Um, uh, because they were so separated, um, but now it should be exactly the same. The, the, the piece you mentioned about there being like one growth function that owns both product and marketing is certainly how like the most innovative early stage brands are doing it. So marketing rails and product rails are completely intertwined now, but what do you need to be able to do to take advantage of that? Deep and Luke both agree on having test pools that allow you to test with smaller groups and use that feedback in development before widening the audience. But the best results come down to the ability to continuously test and iterate. What's happening now, there's, there's just this proliferation of financial service companies that are entering the fold. And I actually try to stay away from the verbiage fintech because... It, it almost makes it feel like that's like the special side thing when in reality, like all financial service companies are working on this together. Right. Um, but, um, but, but what you see is like, there's a breakneck pace for growth. And so if someone isn't signing up with bank A, they're going to sign up for bank B because they're going to see the messaging from bank B. And, and so what's happened is there is like really, really stringent KPIs, which is great because there's a focus on performance, but but at the same time, what you can choke off is, is the opportunity cost of learning and, and testing. And because you, you need some margin for error to be able to learn and figure out how you improve um, your, your marketing. And so the, the, the folks that have done it well, I think they, they, they create a sandbox environment. So while their business as usual um, work is working hard for them, uh, they, they have a, a separate spot where they can actually innovate and, and, and test and learn. And, and they have a little bit of margin um, for error so that they can get new learnings and then incorporate that back in um, to their, their BAU work. Something else that I think about is, is just like building customer profiles as being like a core component of um, everything that's being done digitally. And certainly a lot of what's being done by the best in class players um, and, and a lot of this comes down to like having a, a really rigor rigorous data structure 
and um, uh, a muscle and kind of a, a belief in your org that everybody should understand how to use that data to better understand their customer. You really should be thinking about your products on as customer level basis as possible. And to the extent that you are doing that, then you actually need to understand who that customer is. It's a bit funny that there's a wariness to use the language of fintech because it makes it feel less central. So what's interesting is how the expansion of the use of data to understand the customer from all perspectives is game-changing. With accessible software, opportunities to improve the experience have really been democratized now. Even if you're doing everything according to the latest book, there will be hundreds more brands being just as clever. So there's an abundance of online signals. What can you do to be heard among all that noise, let alone build loyalty online? And does constantly testing and failing have drawbacks? They both acknowledge some pitfalls to the approach of launching to test and fix. They mentioned the risk of ruining the first user experience. I think that the like, first user experiences are absolutely something that people have to, to keep top of mind in context of how competitive marketing and advertising has gotten. Um, and, and a lot of this comes back down to, again, like a data structure thing. Like first, you have to understand who is and isn't a first user before you can even start to think about uh, developing a personalized experience for those first people and those second people. Um, and, and then like a, a, another adjacent topic that that really stands out to me in re- regards to distinguishing yourself from competition is really around um, how you harness your top customers. So I, I will say that like in light of this, you know, increased marketing, increased advertising, um, excellence environment, uh, uh, you know, like trust is almost on a downward trend for external content. I think like ads are everywhere. You know, brands are paying for reviews on uh, sites that that like a lot of you know purchase decisions are being driven by on the basis of what they're reading in reviews. Um, and, and people know these things, right? Whether it's like subconscious or conscious. I um, mean, so I think when when you think about building trust in in your product set, you need to get back to. Um, uh, thinking through how you can do that from your own customers. And again, like data structure, understand who your best customers are and aren't, and then find some way to make sure that you can harness your best customers to really be like lighthouses for uh, their social settings and, and um, uh, the people that, that they come into contact with that, that may be relevant for your products or service. So we want to use the data for extreme personalization, but not cross the bounds of trust. How far are we going with it? Are there underutilized opportunities where social lives meet financial lives? And when are we across the line? I did ask about it and deep emphasize that one of the distinctions we have to make is how to create social experiences that are still private. You need to ask yourself why before going into like social Because often, like you'll you'll come back with them. Well, I guess there really was no reason to do it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and 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 there's a lot of things like that where people like. I mean, I I, see, I think there's a huge opportunity around the decentralized space. But yeah, um, you know, everybody's like jumping to it. But sometimes you have to ask yourself, well, well, could you just do this service better and more efficiently without it? And and often the answer is yes. With that said, though, Deep also added that there is value in letting people form communities around certain types of financial services and learn from each other. Facebook communities and groups have been an ideal place for a lot of consumer conversations and is a core component of their product. And it's like Simon Sinek said, start with why. They're talking about um, balancing uh, budgets and and they're talking about brokerage, right? Like, I mean, and we've seen that all over the place. Like, 
with investing. And so, um, and, and there's a few companies that are, that are starting to do this on the, on the brokerage space. And it's because there's so much information out there that ultimately, like the thing that people care about is, first of all, the customer advocacy is like really important. The second thing is around like this idea of like shared budgeting and um, shared savings, which um, there's a lot of services that are starting to come out because people do want to hold each other accountable um, and 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 um, budget and save together. So I think those are like some trends that we're seeing that are underutilized because, you know, rightfully we in the industry, we think about privacy. Um, but I think there's a way to make this distinction between privacy, but making sure people can still share and, and um, with the people they care about. So after starting with why, they went to how and to what. Facebook realized that they could speak to business leaders and share what they learned. To do that more effectively, they have started the Financial Gains Hub. They share insights into strategies on how businesses can drive growth and innovation through digitization. So we started this in uh, early 2020 um, with, with COVID on the rise and we kind of saw where things were going. We just realized a lot of the shifts that we've been talking about that we've been talking about today. I mean, not all of it is new news, right? It's been around for a long time, but it got accelerated. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, one of my favorite quotes was like the, the CTO for a lot of these companies has been COVID-19, right? Like where it's forced everybody to, <laughs> um, uh, digitize, uh, their, their, um, services. And, and we wanted to make sure that we were able to, um, help accelerate that and, and be a partner, um, to our partners who are trying to go through those changes. Uh, and so that, that's the idea of financial, the financial gains hub is it's a hub where we are, um, uh, uh, collecting best practices and, and sharing it out to the community and building a sense of, um, celebrating these accomplishments. So in a way, the Financial Gains Hub is a group or community for businesses and just an extension of what Facebook does so well. Well, check that out. Might be better than me spending time with the Doctor Who fan group. We all know who the best doctor is anyway. So that does it for this episode of The Money Pot. Please go check out the Financial Gains Hub at fb.me forward slash financial underscore gains. And the link is in the description. We'd like to thank our guests, Dipanjan De, Director Head of Industry for Financial Services at Facebook, and Luke Fernandez, Head of Growth Marketing and Product Director at Capital One Shopping. We'd also like to thank our producer, Roland Bottingham. We cannot wait to see everyone at Money 2020 Europe in Amsterdam on September 21st to 23rd. And we also look forward to seeing everyone at the Vegas show from October 24th to the 27th. If you liked this episode, please leave us a review in iTunes. Also, please write to us with suggestions for the show at podcast at money2020.com. And thank you for listening. This is Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio.